everyone doing okay? It's kind of an abrupt ending there, isn't it? It just kind of ends and, and then there's me. It's kind of anticlimactic. So uh, glad you guys are here. Um, everyone doing okay? Everyone's good? Good? Awesome. Hey, Isaac did a really good job last week. If you weren't here, I thought he did a really good job teaching on discipleship. Um, maybe <laughs> some of you who've been watching Cobra Kai thought we've like made it and brought Ralph Macchio in to guest speak or something, but no, it was just... It's just Isaac, so um, it's okay. Don't feel bad. No one laughed at it at the other three services either, so we're, we're good. So, hey, what we're doing today, uh, we're doing a vision service. If you've never been here before, this is something we, we've always done. Uh, we do typically one at the beginning of the year, and then we do one uh, usually about this time, about September. And the reason why we do these, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple, and it's, it's uh, pretty straightforward stuff. In the past... At the beginning of the year, like in January, I'll tell you a little bit about the church, how you can get plugged in, and then we'll kind of set goals. You know, like this year we, we hope to do this and plant this church or, you know, do this work in Africa or whatever the case may be. And we kind of shoot, you know, some goals out there. And then later on in the year, this time of year, we go back and just see if we've, if we've hit those goals, basically. Okay. Now, this year has been different. I know everyone knows that, right? And so it's been one of those years where it's been virtually impossible to to plan anything definitive. You know, you'd plan something and then everything would change within days or, or sometimes even hourly. I remember when things were changing. And um, so it's been tough. So I prayed about it a lot, thought about it a lot. I thought, Lord, you know, like, I, I feel like we need to do one of these vision services, <clears throat> but how do you want me to do it? And so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna go through, through a little bit of the stuff on how you can connect in the church and I'll go over finances. I think that's important because I think all churches, if they're gonna ask for you to give, I think they should tell you where the money goes. So I always do that twice a year and we'll do that today. But I'm gonna get through that relatively quick because the last like maybe five or six slides, I wanna really kind of like nail down the DNA of this place. And it hasn't changed over the years. The church has gotten bigger, but we've always done essentially the exact same things. But... At the, at the risk of sounding um, snarky or, or, or frustrated or whatever, I don't, I don't know what the right word would be, um, we've had some people leave our church, not like this huge exodus, but during this COVID time because they don't like, uh, election years are hard on churches, man. They don't like the fact that I point out that sometimes government becomes a greater idol than God and we don't like talking about hard things. We've had people leave our church because we address topics like pornography and I'll get to all that later, but Here's, here's, here's what I think maybe I've done wrong, is maybe I haven't been clear enough on what kind of church God has designed this particular church to be. So <clears throat> by the end of this, this lesson today, and especially in those last couple of slides, I'm just going to be really straightforward about what kind of church this is. And if you don't like what kind of church this is, that's perfectly fine with me. I mean, there's other great churches in this community. We can refer you to other great churches but we don't want to do a bait and switch with you. This is a, a, a very open, honest, raw, transparent place to hang out. It's not always the most comfortable place to hang out, and we're okay with that, but, but I just want to make sure you're okay with that, because if you're not, you just won't, you won't enjoy this place. So uh, I want you to enjoy church. So um, at the risk of, again, sounding a little snarky or whatever, we're just going to paint the picture of what God has made this particular church to be in our other campuses in the hopes that you'll, you'll jump on board and um, that we can advance the kingdom of God together, okay? So you should have got a notes handout when you walked in. It has everything I'm gonna say on there. Uh, 
Also, everything will be on the screens. I don't know why I'm laughing right there. I was laughing because Kyle's backyard floods really bad. And the whole time it's been raining, I'm like, what does Kyle's backyard look like right now? And I said something to him up there and he goes, I probably don't have a deck anymore. So I, don't, I shouldn't laugh at that. He shouldn't laugh at that. But um, okay, anyways, you should have got a note stand out. Everything will be on the screen. <laughs> if you have the Experience Community app, if you uh, click on service time and sermon notes, I believe everything is there. And so we should be in, in good shape. And um, pray that Kyle's still my friend after this lesson. So, all right, let me pray. We'll jump into this. We'll get through it relatively quick. And um, we'll see what happens at the end, okay? Father, Lord, I love you. God, in all seriousness, I'm just thankful that I can be in this room today with these people, God, doing what we're doing, Lord. We're blessed. We're blessed to be able to speak freely. We're blessed, God, to be able to, to worship freely. Um, God, you've been good to us, Lord. Even in a year like this where it has been so bizarre, God, you're doing something this year, and I just pray that you just give us the eyes to see what you're doing. Lord, we, we sincerely pray for every church in our community, God. Not just our church, every church. We pray for the wonderful nonprofits that we work with, Father, we pray for ourselves in here and in the people that make up the Experience Community Church. Lord, that everything we do, that it honors you. And um, God, that we advance your kingdom as a church, as a body, Lord, to the best of our abilities. God, keep your hand on me as I teach today, Lord, and, and just let me teach in a way that honors you. And, and um, I just pray, God, that the vision of your church, God, is clear. We love you. We thank you. We praise you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've never noticed before, when you walk in this main entrance down here, you may come in through this one, real huge on this wall is our vision statement, right? And I remember when I first started the church, I thought churches that had vision statements were like sellouts, right? Like, like you know, I'm kind of rebellious anyways, and, which is not a good thing, but I remember, ah, oh, those big mega churches have vision statements, they're sellouts, and then you start reading and teaching the Bible, and you're like, oh, well, the Bible says that if you don't have vision, people die, it says that in Proverbs, it says at the end of Matthew that Jesus gives his vision for the church, which is called the Great Commission. So I'm like, that's why churches have vision statements, because God wants us to. So I prayed about it, and um, this is what I came up with about 11 years ago, and we've been kind of living this out for the last 11 years or so, and it's, it's very, very simple. It says this, to lead people to Christ through authentic worship, which is what we just did, right? Authentic community and authentic community service. Very, very easy stuff, right? That's what we do. Authentic worship, authentic community, and authentic community service. Now, again, the reason why we have a vision statement is because God has a vision for the church. Not to spoil the end of Matthew for you guys, because we're about to get to it here in the next couple of months. We'll be back in Matthew next week. But at the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus is crucified. He's put into the grave, resurrects from the grave, makes himself known to what will be the church. And as he's going back into heaven, he looks at his church and he tells them to do three specific things. This is the vision statement of God. He says, go out to the entire world, disciple people, baptize people, and teach them everything that I taught you to do. And he says, I'll be with you, right? So you're not alone. Now that is a very, very simple command from him, but it takes this entire book to show us how to do it because people are messy, man. We're broken. We do a lot of dumb stuff. God knows that. So we, not a, we need a lot of clear instruction on how to make followers of Jesus, how to baptize them, how to teach them, okay? But we have this objective. And so what this church has done is we've taken our vision statement. We've tried to line it up with the great commission of Jesus Christ. And then you have to create kind of a road, right? Uh, like a process. Okay, so how do we do this? 
How do we disciple? How do we baptize? How do we teach? How do we grow more Christians, right? How do we do it? And at this church, this is how we do it. This is the most simple thing you will ever see. Our church does five things and that's it, right? We do worship, which is what we're experiencing right now. And I'll talk about this more in detail. We have a next class. We actually have one tomorrow night. So I'd love to see you there if you have the opportunity. And then we have this kind of circle of these three things that kind of go on and on and on until Jesus comes back or we pass away or you get mad at something I say and go somewhere else. That hopefully you're in that circle, right? Doing these things. And so I'm just going to go through these real quickly. I'll talk about our finances and then we'll talk about a little bit more difficult stuff, okay? The first thing is this. Guys, if I have been reminded of anything in 2020, it's that it is essential for us as humans to gather together and worship God. Man, in those times when we could not get together, you guys remember how awful that was? Couldn't have more than 10 people in a place at one time. So I would come in here on Wednesdays. I would record the sermons to a completely empty room, except for Kyle. And I couldn't even see him because of the lights. So I mean, I'm like up here preaching and there's just nobody here. I'd go home on the weekends. I would be here on Saturdays with Kyle. We would live stream it. And then, you know, we'd be at home and we could watch it with our families, which is weird to watch yourself, you know, on a TV with your family. And, and um, very strange, but there was many days where I, I would cry because I'm like, God, this is not the way it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to be watching this on TV. We're supposed to be together worshiping and, and singing and taking communion and hearing the word of God. That's the way it's always been in Christianity. Ever since the birth of Christianity in, in the second chapter of Acts, which is right after the book of Matthew, all the way through the end of the Bible, Christians have always to gathered together like this, right? And they sing and they take communion and they study the word and they pray for each other. And so I'm not trying to be a jerk, but whenever people are like, man, when my buddy and I are at, at, at Starbucks getting coffee, that's church. And I'm like, no, biblically, it's by definition not church. There are certain components that make up church. And there's a couple of references right here from the Bible to kind of help you with that if you, if you don't believe me in that. But corporate worship, what we're doing right now, guys, is so important because when we sing together, it brings us closer to each other, brings us closer to God, gives us a sense of joy. Man, there are so many days, I don't know about you, but you come into this place and it's like, oh, I don't really want to be here. And then the worship gets going and you're like, yeah, this is good. This is good for me, Right? to feel the Holy Spirit kind of weaving its way through all of us, to feel connected to the people around you. This is a good thing. And it tunes us into God. It helps us. All those songs are not about really us. They're, they're about God. And so it kind of sets all of our eyes in the right direction, if you will. It is very important to get together with, with other brothers and sisters in Christ in worship. Very important. It's also important to study the Word together. Now, if you've never been to this church, we do something called expository teaching. That's all I have ever done for almost 12 years. We go line by line, word by word, chapter by chapter through the Bible. Now, I think that's important for a lot of reasons. And it's not that I'm a great teacher. This is just a really, really good book. And so when we go verse by verse through this, one of the good things about that is it prohibits us from skipping the hard parts. I don't know if there's a lot of you who've been to churches where people will read a passage, right? And they kind of like tiptoe around the difficult stuff and they just kind of read the happy stuff and they take it way out of context. I don't know if anyone has ever experienced that before, but if you're teaching verse by verse, line by line, you can't do that. 
You have to address the hard stuff. About a month ago, I talked about divorce, not because it's fun to talk about divorce in church, but because Jesus talked about it, we have to talk about it. Paul talks about human sexuality. He talks about drunkenness. He talks about lust. He talks about gossip and lying. He talks about those things. It's uncomfortable, but we have to talk about them because the Bible talks about them, and we're Christians. So when we go line by line, verse by verse through this, it's tough, but it helps us comprehend the Bible better. It actually gives us a love for the word. I don't know if any of you have experienced that over the time that you've been here, but again, it's not because I'm a good teacher, but when you realize how good this book is, you fall in love with it. And I think teaching verse by verse just grows us as Christians a lot faster, right? So that's what we do here, right? So we worship, we go through the word, and every single time we gather together, we take communion because Jesus said, every time you gather together to do this in remembrance of me, so we do that. And what communion does is, regardless of what we talk about, it always comes back to Jesus Christ and the cross. Every single, even today, we're talking about the vision of the church, but it's going to end with the cross, right? With Jesus. Gives us a, an opportunity to repent, to reflect. We also have people at the front to pray with you. If you need prayer with it, all four services, you can come up and get prayer. And we'll have one of our pastors over here if you want to ask questions. So if you got like suckered into coming today and you don't really believe any of this, but you're curious, you can come up and talk to one of our pastors and say, hey, I don't understand this. What, what do you think about this? Or, or what does this mean? And we'll do our best to answer your questions. They'll be right up here at the front at the end of service. So we move from the weekend service worship to hopefully you guys will eventually come to a next class. Now, this is pretty simple. You come in on Monday. We'll have one tomorrow. We'll give you a tour of the entire building um, we'll let you ask any questions you want to ask. We'll come back in here. I'll tell you my life story. I try to keep it brief. And then I'll tell you how we started the church. Then again, you can ask anything you want to ask. And hopefully from that, we will plug you into the next step, right? I love next classes because I get to meet you and I don't always get to meet everyone and, and, and you get to meet me. I don't know if that's a cool experience or not, but we get to like say hi to each other and, and, and it's a very personal, casual thing. Enjoy that. But that's the second step. And then from that, we get into that loop, right? Community and development and service. Now, community is simply small groups. And the reason why that's so important is because God is communal. What that means is God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Three in one. God is perfect community within himself. And because we are made in the image of God, we are made to be around people. Go back, go back to that time when everything was shut down, right? For like that six or eight weeks or whatever it was. I'm sitting at home and I just get stir crazy at home, right? Not that I don't love my family, but like I gotta get out, I gotta do something. And you couldn't like drive to Walmart and wander around, right? And you couldn't like go to Lowe's, you couldn't even go get a cup of coffee, it was terrible. Because we're not meant to live in that isolation. That's why depression went up, divorce went up, uh, domestic abuse went out the roof. All these things were happening because we're not meant to live like that. We're meant to be in community. And so ever since Christianity has existed, according to the Bible, they would meet together on the weekends and then they would meet in each other's homes throughout the week. And the reason they did that is small groups hold you accountable. We don't hold each other accountable in this setting. That would be very uncomfortable, right? I'm like, hey, Bob, back in the back, I heard you've been, you know, cheating on your wife. You don't want to do that in front of like a thousand people, right? That's just not very comfortable. There's no Bob over there. No, sorry. I should have just, I was terrible. Anyways, small groups foster accountability 
They create deep discussion. You make friends in small groups. We have intergenerational mentors. That's a fancy way of saying younger people and older people hang out with each other. And that's a healthy thing. It's good for the younger people in this room to be around older Christians because they start to garner that wisdom from people older than you. It's good for older people to be around younger Christians because we start to have an appreciation for the younger generation, right? We, we often have misconceptions of younger people than us, but creating those relationships takes care of that. Small groups are important. And people often say, well, I don't like big churches because you, you get lost in big churches. You'll get lost in a church one-tenth our size if you're not plugged into a small group. Back before COVID hit, this church was running somewhere in the ballpark of like 6,000 people. You can easily get lost in 6,000. You can easily get lost in 600. You're not going to memorize 600 people's names, okay? So you have to be in some kind of small group. That's where the church really takes place. That's where relationships really take place. And so from community, we move into development, right? This is basically growing your theology, getting deeper as a Christian, learning how to go out and make disciples of people. One of the first ways we do that is through a class called Following Jesus. Um, Isaac wrote the curriculum for that. It's only seven weeks long. It's an amazing class. We have it together. We, we create a bunch of small groups from it. It's a really, really good experience. Talk about prayer and worship, the Bible, baptism, communion, the Trinity, the church, how to share your faith. What does it mean to be a disciple? And we have one of these starting up at the end of this month. You can sign up on the app. You can sign up on our website, or you can just email Isaac at experiencecc.com. You can put a little like karate kid meme on there. If you want to, whatever you want to do, you can, you can email him and you can get plugged into the following Jesus class. We also have something called authentic discipleship. It's a little bit longer, right? It's a little bit deeper. I get a kick out of people sometimes who are like, oh, three months, I can't commit to that. And I'm like, really? The disciples walk with Jesus for three years. But anyways, it's a 12-week group, and it gets into the more practical and effective ways to be a disciple and then to go out and make disciples of more people. We have another one of those groups. We just started one. We're starting another one in January, okay? Something really cool, if you have the app on your phone, which I know that every single one of you does, if you have the app on your phone, if you click on Home Development and then Discovery Bible Study, this is a little tool we've put on the app. It's amazing. It's how you basically walk someone through the entire Bible, whether they have known nothing about it, and you don't even have to know a ton about it. It walks you through it. It helps you make disciples virtually anywhere you go. It's an awesome tool, and it's something that's on our app that I hope you guys utilize. Some other things we do is we offer Financial Peace University. We're big fans of, of Dave Ramsey principles. We offer that several times a year. We just started one. We're offering another one in January. We have a class called Preparing Marriage, if you're engaged, to put you through premarital counseling just to help you and, and have you start your marriage with the best tools that we can possibly offer you. Any more info for that, you can just uh, email info at experiencecc.com and they'll get you plugged into those things. And so then the last component on those things that we're talking about, those five things, is serving. Now, this is where I think our church really, really shines. I think we do, do all those previous things just fine, but we really, really do well serving. Even through all the COVID stuff, we have, we have not stopped doing our 5,000 ministry. That's our ministry to homeless people. Yeah, that's good. It's 
Some of you, some of you guys obviously serving that. That's good. I like that. Um, but we have never stopped that. We've been doing that for 11 and a half years, and we have never missed a weekend. We have never stopped doing that. Rain, sleet, snow, Christmas, Thanksgiving, we have never missed a weekend, even through all this COVID stuff. We also do another ministry called Stepping Stones. They're an organization right across the street. Yeah, back there. That's a good one, too. And that is ministry for homeless people, but specifically women and children. And so we have not stopped ministering to them either. In fact, uh, the room right next to my office, we have several women that stay uh, in that room two weekends a month with their children. We cook them breakfast. We help them. We do everything we can. We support that organization. Um, it's a church. We've actually hired one of those, those women to help us on the church staff. And so it's been a really good experience with Stepping Stones. Another thing that we have not faltered on, and I want you to remember this because it's going to come into play later, is even throughout all this COVID stuff, we have not failed to give away at least 20% of our income. We give that to benevolence, to nonprofits, to other churches that are hurting, to people in our community. But one of the neat things we have done when all the schools shut down, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, we have a thing called the Chow Bus in Rutherford County. And basically there's so many kids that go to public school that they don't eat while they're at home. So the only place they ever eat is at school. And because the schools got shut down, there's basically a bunch of kids who weren't eating. And so the county had run out of money and, and we got wind of that. And our church paid for that chow bus to be uh, in route. I think it was for a solid month. So the entire time the school was shut down, this church is the reason why all those kids got to eat. That's you guys. That's something to be really, really proud of. That's a really neat thing for the church to be a part of. So some of the things that did shut down during COVID are opening back up. One of them is bar ministry. If you've never been a part of this, if you're a late nighter, this is a really, really fun thing we do. We go outside all the bars on the square and we set up a hot dog stand, right? Because when you're drunk, your standard of eating is pretty low. So we, we set up a hot dog. Not that hot dogs are bad, but you know, all God's creatures in one convenient package. But um, <laughs> we... <laughs> Got a laugh out of you guys. Look at that. All right. We're making progress. It's a good vision service. Um, so we set, <laughs> we set up a hot dog stand, and all the people who are coming out of the bars, we give them food, we give them water, we talk to them, and we're just doing everything we can to make sure that they don't drive home drunk. And if they're too intoxicated, we'll hook them up with an Uber, we'll hook them up, uh, hook them up with a Lyft, whatever we have to do. We just want them to get home safely. Another ministry that's going to be starting up in the next couple of weeks is our reclaimed ministry. That's our jail ministry. So some people have already been going back to that, um, but we couldn't go into the jail because it was obviously shut down because of COVID. But we're going to go back into the jail starting in the first week of October and keep doing ministry in there. Listen, there's a lot more work that has to be done. If you want to get involved either with us or with one of the awesome nonprofits we work with, Travis at experiencecc.com. Um, email him. He's a great guy. He'll hook you up. He'll get you plugged in, and he'll take care of you, okay? So those are the five big things we do. On top of those five big things, this church loves to plant other churches. We've started four in the last 11 years, and we hope to start a lot more. Now, I have some good news about that, and I have some bad news about that. The good news is, is right now we have about 15 people who are training to, within the next year, to be able to go out and start churches. And I would love to start one somewhere out in the Manchester, Tullahoma area, and I'd love to start one in the Shelbyville area. And here's the reason why. Um, we already have about 200 people at this church that live in Manchester, so I'm like, 
We already have a church there, but we make them drive 40 minutes to get here. We should just start one out in that area. And then Shelbyville is about the same scenario. We've got about 150 people that drive from Shelbyville to come to church here. We should just start something out in that direction and, 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 and let them kind of be in their own community. So we're working on that, okay? The bad news is, is our College Grove campus, we've kind of put a pause on it. Um, uh, be careful how I say this. I, I, kind of out of the blue, we got uh, an email from the Ashworths that, that God is no longer calling them to be pastors out there in College Grove. So I don't know what the future is out there, but I know that our future is planting more churches, so we'll do whatever God wants us to do, and we'll just keep moving forward with that, okay? So that brings us to finances. Like I said before, if I'm going to ask you to give, if we're going to ask you to raise money for Doors of Hope or raise money for, for different stuff that we're doing throughout the country and the world and in our own community, I feel like I need to be, I feel obligated to show you where your money's going to go, Okay? So let me tell you how faithful of a church you've been this year. We predicted that $4.8 million would come in this year. And in the middle of all this COVID stuff that's going on, we're on track to actually bring in $6.3 million this year, which is huge. Uh, it's the most we've ever been given at this church. And in the middle of all this time when the unemployment rate was skyrocketing and everything else, this church never wavered in their giving. In fact, some of our biggest giving weeks we've ever had were during those times. Fascinating. Now listen, that's why I told you to remember the 20% that we give away. I believe God has been faithful to this church financially because this church has given away so much money. And that's you guys. All of that is you. That's not me personally. It's your giving. And we give that away. And I think God has just continually blessed us for our faithfulness back to this community, okay? So let me show you where this money goes. The first one is administration. That's people that work here at this church. Now, the reason I show you this and the reason why I put the percentage up there is I want everyone to know that no one is getting rich working at this church. Now, there are some churches where people do get rich, and that's an ethical and moral problem in my opinion, but this is not one of those churches. And just because the giving has been more does not mean that we get paid more. By the time we get a raise, which will be January, it will have been 18 months since any of us have gotten a raise. So, and again, I say all that not so you guys can like buy us like gas cards. I mean, we can like feed our families. We're not starving to death or anything, but, but I just want you to know that we're not abusing your money, right? And it's not going into our pockets. So our salary is comprised of about 35% of the budget on the 4.8, but that's actually not true. It's gonna be more like 27%. Now, just for perspective, the average church in the United States, 50 to 60% of their total income goes just to salaries. That is not the case here. We're dramatically lower than that, okay? We have other administrative expenses too. We have the sheriff's department here um, on the weekends and the police department on Wednesdays. That's because the world is crazy. And we wanna make sure you're safe and we wanna make sure the students that come to church here are safe on Wednesday and Thursday. We pay a maintenance team because we got a big old building. Uh, we have a CPA that's an outside CPA. We do that to keep us on the up and up. Uh, we have to pay taxes. Whenever you hear people say churches don't pay taxes, we pay astronomical taxes, right? Big taxes. Um, and we also pay for childcare when people are here for small groups. Um, our mortgage is $41,434 a month. So whenever you're like thinking about how expensive your mortgage is, just think of old Corey. So $41,434 a month. Now, when we got this building two and a half years ago, we did not take out a mortgage for this building. 
Um, I've become pretty good friends with Joe Swanson Jr. That's who, that's who owns this building or owned this building. I worked out a deal with him to where we would buy this building from him. I pay him directly. We pay him directly. And I never had to take out a loan for it. Now, the only way that I decided or, or that we felt like we were being good stewards was if we could pay for this building in five years. So though our mortgage is 41000 we actually pay three times that every single month. So within the next two and a half years, this, could, this should be completely paid off. Now will have been five years, okay? So we'll have this completely paid off. Yeah, that's good stuff. Our benevolence this year, at the very least, will touch about a million dollars, um, which is about 21% of the 4.8. The problem is, is if, if, if we're going to get in 6.3, we're going to fall short of that 20. So to the best of our abilities, we're going to make sure we hit that 20% this year, okay? At the very least, we'll hit 20% of our predicted budget uh, that we worked with this year. Ministry expenses and operating costs, that's all the boring stuff. That's... Uh, paper, that's building repair, that's utilities, that's insurance. It's all the stuff we need for like worship nights and children's events and all that kind of stuff. Our savings is everything above our budget. We just throw it back in savings or we put it on the building. Our Woodbury campus that is about a 550 person uh, church, it's completely paid off, completely debt-free. That costs us about $300,000 a year. And then Crossland, that's our church in Antioch, Josh Jamerson, that only costs us about $35,000 a year, but they don't have a building right now, so that'll go up dramatically, hopefully, in 2021 when we get them a building, okay? Now, let me tell you one more thing about finances. I do not know who gives at this church, and I do not want to know who gives at this church. The only people at this church that I know if they contribute or not are people that work at this church and the elders of this church. That is it. And that's just for, that, that's just practical, right? If you're going to work here, you better contribute here. If you're going to be a leader here, you better contribute here. So that's the only people I know if they give. Beyond that, I have no idea. I don't want to know if you give. There are also some people that don't believe that tithing is a New Testament thing. Now, we can go back and forth on that. I, I, I feel like it is, but it is impossible to argue that us being generous with our finances is not a biblical principle. Now, let me say this. Um, I'm not going to get paid anymore if you give or don't give. Uh, neither is anyone else on this staff. But if we're going to plant more churches, if we're going to buy thousands of Bibles for Uganda, Africa, if we're going to feed the homeless, if we're going to clothe the naked, if we're going to do all the different things that we do in this community, if all those people uh, uh, who benefit from us giving all that money to the chow bus and, and things like that, if we're going to do those things, we have to give to the church. We just have to do it. And let me tell you, giving to the church has really nothing to do with finances whatsoever. It's, it's an issue here. It's an issue with our heart. God knows that if we can let go of our money, we can virtually let go of anything, right? We hold on to that very, very tightly. Last thing I'll say, I don't care to know if you ever give or not. When I was 23 years old, I got saved and my wife was 22. We were split up at the time and then we got back together and got married at 25 and 24. Um, ever since we became Christians, uh, we've been faithful with our giving. And I don't mean that to boast, but I'm gonna tell you, in my life, there have been times when we didn't have two nickels to rub together, but because we were always faithful with our finances to God, God always made a way for us to exist, and he's always blessed us and taken care of us. We've never been rich, but we have never been without. If you're in here and you don't trust God with your money, whether you come to this church or not, I encourage you, trust God with that part of your life, and you will not be let down. So let me move on. Okay, so here's where we're going to talk real for a second. 
during this COVID time, um, had not a ton of people. There wasn't like a mass exodus or anything like that. But we had probably two dozen people leave our church. And um, for reasons that, that, that it's fine. I was not upset that they left. And so some people would leave our church because I would talk about things like pornography in church. Or some people would leave our church. They would tell me this over email. They would leave our church because um, I would say things like, I believe you focus way too much on politics than you do on the Bible. And, and they didn't like that. So they would leave, right? So maybe I was not clear enough as to what kind of church God intends this place to be. So that's what the next couple of slides are going to be on. The first one is this. This will always be a church that addresses sin. We will always be a church that also not only addresses sin, but addresses idolatry. Now, what that means is this. I love baseball, guys. I'm a huge baseball fan. I love the St. Louis Cardinals. They kind of stink this year, but it's not really a real season anyway, so I'm not that hurt about it. But uh, I love baseball. But if baseball and travel baseball for your kids becomes more important than teaching them the ways of the Lord, it's an idol and it's wrong. So this is always going to be a church that's going to say things like that. Um, I have nothing wrong with you being successful. If your material possessions are more important than you, uh, more important to you than reading the word of God and praying and doing your, your, your faithful work for the Lord, we're going to call that out, right? We're going to call out idols. If you being a Republican is more important than you being a Christian, we're going to call that out. If you being a Democrat is more important than you being a Christian, we're going to call that out and say that's an idol. Because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, right? And then everything else starts to fall in place. So we're always going to be a church that's going to call out personal idols, cultural idols. We're just going to do it. We're also going to be a church that honors confession. One time I was teaching up here about a year and a half ago, and I'd started seeing a counselor. It's a counselor that only works with pastors. And the reason why I started seeing this counselor, he's a great man. His name's John. I started seeing him because every winter I would slide into like the seasonal depression and I hated it. So I went and I saw a counselor, good God-fearing man. I still meet with him every month. And I remember I told that to the church right when I started doing that. And there was a woman, it was her first time at our church, and she sent me this email, right? One of those emails, scrolling. Sent me an email about how weak of a man I was and how terrible of a pastor I was that I would admit that I struggled with depression in front of my church. And so all I did is I replied, and I was nice. I said, ma'am, that was nice. This is the wrong church for you. And that was it. Last time I ever heard from her, right? Because we are going to be a place to guys. We're human. And we're going to struggle at times. And we have to be honest about those struggles. We're going to talk about real struggles. We're going to talk about things like pornography, about sin. We're going to talk about repentance and our need to acknowledge that we have wronged God. We're going to talk about those things. I had a lady leave our church one time because she said I brought up pornography in service. In fact, we had a whole group of people leave last night at the five o'clock because I brought up pornography in service. Here's why I bring up pornography, because 71% of all 20 to 39-year-olds have been addicted to it. That's why we bring it up, because 60%, listen to this, of women right now look at it at least once a month. That's why we're bringing it up. The number one cause of divorce in the United States is pornography. How foolish would it be for the church not to talk about how terrible it is and for the church not to offer a way to break the, 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 the shackles of pornography? We need to talk about it. 
It doesn't do the church any good to put its head in the sand and act like it doesn't exist. But again, if you don't want to talk about real things, then this probably just, you're you're just not going to like this place. What we're also going to do is before we leave this place and start bashing everyone else about how bad they are, we're going to follow the words of Jesus. We're going to address the plank of wood in our eye before we start pulling out the splinters in everyone else's eyes. We must be open. We must be raw and we have to be real. We don't have time to be fake right now. We do not have the luxury of beating around the bush right now. We have to be focused and we have to talk like adults. So that's us, right? We have to make sure that we're addressing sin within us. We also have to make sure that we are loving the lost. I had another family leave our church recently because they said, I care too much about non-believers. That was in their own words. And I'll take that criticism, guys, all day long. Here's why. Because first and foremost, Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. That's the heart of God. So I just wanted to say this. This will always be a church where absolutely anyone can come through those doors and take a seat and hear the gospel. Anybody. Let me clarify that, though. That doesn't mean we condone everything everyone does. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean that we, we turn a blind eye to sin. That is not what that means. But I've had people email me over the years, Corey, you wouldn't believe there was this couple sitting next to me that lives a lifestyle that I don't agree with. What do you think about that? And I say, praise God that they feel comfortable enough to come into this place. Let's pray for that couple that God touches their heart, that they accept Christ as their savior, and God turns them around. But if we don't love people, how will they ever hear the gospel? So we want to have a good reputation with the outside world. We want to, as Jesus said, do good works so they see those works and glorify our Father in heaven. That's what we want to do. It is the heart of God to save sinners. Paul said, not only is it the heart of God, he said, I was the chief sinner. Paul was a murderer and Jesus came after him, right? Anyone is welcome to come into this place and sit in these seats and hear the gospel. Everyone. So we've got to get back to the fundamentals. It's so simple, guys. We've got to be a place that leads people to Christ, that disciples people, right? Teaches them how to be better followers of Jesus. We have to teach the word. We have to baptize. We have to equip. We have to welcome all people into these doors, but we will not relent on the biblical principles. Everyone is welcome here, but we will be very straightforward on what the Bible says. So listen, this is not to be mean. It's not to be snarky. I just don't want you to get into something that maybe you don't want to be a part of. But this is a very important statement to me. If you're not looking to grow intimate and deep with God, and if you're not looking to get your hands dirty in this extremely messy world, you're going to hate this place. It's going to be a waste of your time. It'll be a waste of my time. We are here to, to grow deep in our relationship with God, and we are here to take the light into the darkest corners of society. That's what God has called us to do, and we're going to do it. Is it hard? Is it messy? Is it difficult? Yes, but it is what the Lord has called us to do. So we need to strive to do what glorifies God, not what just makes us feel good. 
There was a, a, a famous tweet that went around recently by, by a famous pastor, and all it was is this pastor said, you are good enough. That's not biblical. If you were good enough, you wouldn't need a savior. We need a savior because we're not good enough. And the problem is, is there's so many people right now who are just looking for something to affirm where they already are. And that's not what God does. God loves us, but he wants to deliver us out of the bondage we're in. And he wants to set us free. So when we come to church, when we get into this relationship with God, we need to do what honors him, not just what makes us feel good, not what makes us look better. We need to honor him in everything we do. We need to commit to the Great Commission, which means all of us need to be making disciples. We need to be baptizing. We need to be teaching. That's what Jesus has called us to do. We all have to keep growing in our faith. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years. We all have to keep maturing. We have to keep developing because this world is so fractured right now. And we have to be full of the Holy Spirit. As Peter says, we have to be ready to give an answer for our faith. So we need to be able to go out into the world and be the light, to have an answer, to have a response, to live it out, to love people and share the truth with them. But we've got to be mature believers. This has to be a place where you can be honest and safe. Listen, if it's your first time here, you're sitting amongst the most non-judgmental people you will ever meet. This is the most non-judgmental church you will ever walk into. We've had people confess things that would, would make the hair on your arms stand up if you heard it. But we don't act shocked. We don't stand back. We don't kick them out. We walk with them. If they want to change, we believe God can change them. We have to be honest. We have to be transparent. You're in a safe place. You're in a safe place, okay? And we'll keep it like that. We also need to love the lost. Will they hurt you? Yes. Will your heart get broken? Absolutely. Will they talk about you sometimes? Yes. Will they stab you in the back? Man, they did it to Jesus. Imagine Judas walking around with Jesus for three years. You know what's crazy? The whole time Jesus knew that, Jesus, that Judas was going to stab him in the back. Can you imagine that? The whole time that Jesus walked around feeding thousands of people and doing miracles and sleeping on the same ground in the same tents with Judas, the whole time he knew that Judas was going to betray him. Even Jesus was betrayed. We're going to get hurt, but guys, that doesn't mean that we stop. It doesn't mean that we stay away. It doesn't mean that we're afraid of the world or we isolate ourselves. That's not what we do. We insulate ourselves with the Holy Spirit and we go out into that mess, out into that darkness. We need to be reshaping how people think about God and the church. Man, the church's reputation in the United States has been tainted. The reputation of Jesus has been tainted. It's not because Jesus did anything wrong but we have got to reestablish the reputation of the church, which goes back to a scripture I've quoted several times already. We have to do good works in our community so they see the church's good works and glorify our Father in heaven. We've got to reestablish the reputation of the church and the community and the reputation of God. So two questions and then a statement. Are you on board with God's mission? Not, the, not just the mission of the experienced community church. 
Are you on board with doing what God wants us to do? If you are, it is going to take sacrifice. It is going to be frustrating. If you've been with me during the time of Matthew, we've seen Jesus himself get frustrated. It's sacrificial and it's frustrating work. Are we willing to be biblical Christians? That may sound like a weird thing to say. There are a lot of people who say that they're Christians, but when it comes down to living this book, they don't do it. Are we willing to be counter-cultural and follow the commands of this book? It's going to be hard. There will be people who will unfriend you. There will be people who talk bad about you. There will be other Christians that may turn their back on you. But we need to make sure that we're doing what's pleasing to God first, right? And then here's the last thing. Why is all of this important? I'm not trying to be dramatic, guys. I'm not trying to like tug at your heartstrings or, or, or generate some kind of an emotional response. The reason why all this stuff is important, the reason why we need to take this seriously, listen, is because people's eternities are in the balance. Heaven and hell. Do you hear me? That's why the church doesn't have time to argue on Facebook right now. That's why the church doesn't have time to get into these petty squabbles. The Bible would call them vain babblings. We have got to get to our Father's work. What that means is we have to start loving people. Instead of arguing with them on Facebook, get a cup of coffee with them. Talk with them. Get to know them. But Corey, they're so much different than me. That's great. You'll have a lot to talk about. Before you start pointing fingers and saying, you're this, you're that, you're this. Maybe get to know where they came from. What's on the line? I had to be careful because I wanted to tell a story, but I decided against it. What's on the line? Your marriage is on the line. What's on the line? Your neighborhood is on the line. What's on the line? Your kids are on the line. Your schools are on the line. Everything's on the line. We talk about our faith. Most of us kind of like live this life to where we like, we pursue work and we pursue money and we pursue all these other things and we just kind of pepper some, some religion in there and we're, we're good. We don't have time to play those kinds of games anymore. The world is falling apart out there and they need a savior. They need the light. And do you know whom God has commissioned to go bring that news, to bring that light to them? You. Me. Are we good enough? No, but here's the catch. Jesus said, go make disciples, teach and baptize. And remember, I am with you till the end of the age. What that means is, are we good enough in and of ourselves? Absolutely not. But we have the Holy Spirit of God in us. Ephesians 1.13, we've been sealed by it. And if we are full of that spirit, that light that is in us can go into the darkest corners of society and the darkness will never overpower the light. That's your mission. It's my mission, not from this church, but straight from the mouth of God himself, that we are to go out, as Jesus said, like sheep among the wolves.
right? The world needs us. The world needs the God that is in us. And it is our job to go out and to make a difference in society. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I have not said this at any of the services besides this one, but I feel the need to say it. There are some of you in this room that have such an opportunity and you have such a gift that God has given you that you're not using. What I mean by that is there are some of you in this room that God has placed people around you that are in such desperate need for hope and light and salvation. And maybe you have held your tongue too long. Maybe you have not reached out to people, though you felt like you should. God has given you some opportunities in here. It's, it's, it's time to act on those opportunities. God has given some of you guys gifts. He's given you charisma. He's given you influence. Maybe he's given you finances or whatever the case may be that you can use for his glory. It's time to use those things. We cannot be in a season right now where we hold back. The world needs us. We are the body of God. I don't know who needed to hear that, but maybe someone did. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Up here on my right, your left, Pastor Mike is up here. If you have any questions about faith, I'm not trying to puff him up. He has a master's degree in theology. He, he's very learned. He's been doing ministry for a long time. He's not put off by questions. If you have any questions, come up here and talk to Mike. We have people to pray for you on the right and left of the stage if you need any prayer. And then the last thing is, is you're holding communion in your hands. Now that communion represents two really important things. The first one is it represents that God gave his only son to die for your sins even while you were at your worst. Paul says even while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. All of us can take the communion, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, as long as we have asked Jesus to forgive us of our sins, okay? We can be reminded how much God loves us. The second thing that that communion always reminds me of is Jesus didn't just die for us, he rose again for us. And he gave us his Holy Spirit to where when we're at our weakest, we can remember that Jesus is strong in us, that his Holy Spirit goes wherever we go. Just like that song says, that he's in front of us, behind us, on the sides of us. He insulates us. He fills us up that we can go into the darkness, regardless of how dark that is. But we have the light. That's what that communion reminds me of. God's spirit is with you. Father, Lord, I love you so much, God. I love the men and women in this room, people watching at home. Father, please keep your hand on us. God, protect us. Fill us with your spirit. Lord, but I don't just pray that you protect us and fill us with your spirit, but Father, send us out. Send us out to the schools, to our work, to our coffee shops, to our restaurants, to our grocery stores, wherever we may go, God. Lord, let us love people. Lord, let us pour into people in the hopes that they would see those good works and glorify you, God. God, keep your hand on this church, Lord. I love them so much, God. We pray blessings, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that your will be done in our lives. We pray all these things in your son's name, God, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Man, I love you guys so much. You're welcome to help yourself. Thank you guys.